Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking cheap meal prep for struggling chefs with Frankie Salenza. Yeah, there is nothing more elemental than our need to eat food, right? Like, so no matter how much money you've got in the bank, no matter how much debt you have, we're all united by the fact that we get hungry. And while you know, some folks might like to splurge when it comes to their meals, the rest of us are looking for ways to cut those costs so that we can reach some other financial goals. And that is why we are pumped to be joined by daytime Emmy award-winning culinary host, Frankie Salenza. Uh, Frankie's show, Struggle Meals, it is all about getting the most bang for your buck in the kitchen, both for your wallet and when it comes to the amount of time that you're spending cooking. That's important as well. So we're excited to talk about that today. Frankie, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. So happy to be here, you guys. Frankie, we're glad to have you, man. And uh, I feel like you even make cooking accessible to someone like me, who is terrible at the stuff. So I appreciate that. Uh, But our first question to everyone who comes on the show, we want to know what your craft beer equivalent is. Matt and I, we splurge outrageously on good beer while we're saving for the future. What is what is that in your life? Yeah, it's um, it's mountain bike parts. Ooh, yeah. Actually, just before I came on the show, I got a. Yep, I got a package with a a new set of long-fingered gloves, very important. My (laughs) current pair is wearing through on the index finger from uh, heavy braking and intense rock riding, so it's time for another pair, you know? Gotta gotta protect the contact points. It's it's incredibly important, that and your feet. So how did you get into biking? Was it just a love for, you said said mountain biking specifically, and it sounds like you are actually on trails. Was it a love of being outdoors, like on the mountain, or did you start like most of us riding around in your cul-de-sac? How did you get into biking? 
this is so bizarre, but um, when I was 13 years old, my very best friend like got into road biking because it was the Lance Armstrong era. And so uh-huh. I hopped on my dad's bike and started riding with him. And before you know it, uh, I mean, we were competing in the national championships as road bike riders. And I've, I've probably done 900 laps of Central Park and stage races. And that was my sport as a teenager. Like, I actually thought about maybe going pro. I was a very good sprinter. This was before the days of texting, even T9. Nobody was even T9 texting. Uh, Now when I get on the road, the cars seem to be going faster, bigger, and with less focus. Mm. So I love being in the woods. I love being with nature. And uh, it's it's a natural antidepressant. It makes me feel really good. I love it. <laughs> it's yeah. it's good for you from so many different angles. I mean, from a transportation standpoint, from a just staying healthy standpoint, and obviously, yeah. like you're saying, from a mental clarity standpoint as well. And I know it costs money, but from the value you get from biking uh, regularly, it's like it's so worth the money you stick into it for sure. So I, it really we, is. Uh, and we affirm I mean, your splurge. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, I'll, I will say this. My uh, the first mountain bike, I literally just changed it six months ago, and I had been riding that since. Uh, 2001. So I got my money's worth out of that. Man, Very the technology nice. has changed quite a bit. The stuff <laughs> I can get up and down now is I like, bet. I couldn't believe it. I thought lightness was all that matters. It is not the case. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm I mean, glad you approved yeah. my splurge. <laughs> we, t- we totally do, man. We sign off. So, well, let's talk about your area of expertise, which is, which is uh, cooking, which is helping us, helping everyone out there cook and make awesome meals for less. I'm curious, too, what, what, what was the inspiration for struggle meals? We love your philosophy. Was this born out of necessity? Were you like some broke college student sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, I got to figure out how to do this on my own or what, yeah, what, what kind of necessitated or brought about this uh, creative endeavor? It's sort of twofold because when I look back when I started making these videos in 2009, I, I actually have a reel that I made where I'm holding up packets and I'm like, I'm like, get the packets from the dining hall. Use them right here. You know, it's going to be perfect. But what I, what I did in school was I undercut the meal plan by a dollar and I had people come over to my place uh, for what was definitely a better meal than what was being served in the cafeteria. Coming full circle, I mean, literally, we were just filming random recipes at Tastemade. Someone from the office came onto the set and said, hashtag struggle meals is trending. We think we should make a show around that. And it just started like that. Wow. Um, and I was like, okay, let's revisit this. I, I figured it would be people in school or just out of school or people with their first um, job. And it is a much wider swath of people <laughs> than that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, after like housing and transportation, I, I feel like food is number three or four biggest expense. For sure. It Absolutely. really is. Yeah. Month to month. Yeah. You've, you, you discovered that there's a lot of folks who are cook like they're just out of college. Right? <laughs> Even <laughs> they, if they're 35 year olds. Yeah. They never learned anything beyond that. Beyond like some of the some wealthiest ramen. people in the world. I mean, I can't believe they just so grab true. white bread and slap some stuff on it. And they, you know, <laughs> We can That's do better true. than that. So, well, so the struggle is broad. It, it can be it can be multifaceted. It doesn't have to just be financial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess a common misconception in the world of food, at least, is that you can't eat healthy on a budget. That you can't do it cheaply. That the cheap foods are the worst foods for you. But when I watch your content, that's not the experience I get. And it's not the experience I have at the grocery store. Yeah, like, sure, some of the nicest whole foods you can spend a whole lot of money on, but I feel like you you don't have to eat like crap if you want to save money. Do you agree? 
I 100% agree. That is my job to agree with that. And it is misleading <laughs> when you look at the title of the show, Struggle Meals, because it sounds like I'm going to be, you know, cutting up a hot dog and, you know, cooking it on a George <laughs> Foreman grill and slapping it on white bread. And that's not what we do. And you're right. The unhealthy foods are the cheapest ones. But do you know the biggest cost in food for Americans? The biggest cost. I'm meat. If you look meat. at your bill at the end of the year, where did the largest amount of your money that you spent oh. on food go? Where did it go? I'm, I'm guessing pre, pre-packaged yeah. foods like cereal. Chips, Swiss Miss Rolls, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's actually uh, that money went directly into the garbage because 30% of groceries uh, go directly go. into the garbage. Waste. So, yeah. so now imagine that we decide that we're going to put effort into cooking and we're going to plan a little bit. And we're going to just maybe just work on five dishes and we know we're going to fail at the beginning. But we get to an efficiency point where we have no waste. Now our budget kind of got bigger because we're not throwing out Mm. so much money. Now you can buy real food. Yeah, absolutely. So when you are buying real food, I'm thinking about the the trend that we've seen in particular over the past few years with higher inflation. Like that's also hit the grocery stores as well in a pretty serious way, right? And so have you changed your approach or have you changed your advice when it comes to spending less on food. I guess basically at the end of the day, I want to know if you're still buying eggs because we, <laughs> we saw the egg spike. It's starting to level off now. But uh, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on inflation and how that's impacting how folks shop and prepare their food? We, I think I've purchased uh, a dozen eggs this year. So I, I, was, I was pretty low on it. I was like, eh, it's not really worth it. And I'm not a huge breakfast guy anyway. So I don't mind just having overnight oats or, you know, sprinkling a little bit of this is going to sound so bougie, but it's a great breakfast. A little bit of chia with some oat milk and a tiny bit of maple syrup or honey and like okay. cacao, leave that overnight. I love it. But, but here's like, here's the main thing. We live in such a convenient time, arguably the most convenient time of all time. And if you walk into the supermarket and this goes for all things in life, okay, you can go so deep down every single path of everything we do. I'm, sh- I'm sure you could spend a thousand hours learning about toilet flappers. I'm sure you could. <laughs> so like, and, and maybe that would save you water money. I don't know. But you walk into the supermarket and they have pretty much everything all the time. And if you're not, if you're in a food desert, that's a different story. But the problem is people buy things that are out of season and they're expensive. And so if you're not really paying attention to the fact that the prices are fluctuating over the course of the year based on supply and demand and whether it's in season in the climate that you're actually purchasing it in, then you could, you know, you could look at asparagus in December and say asparagus is too expensive. I'm never buying asparagus because it's too it's like yeah, it's coming from Argentina. It's not asparagus season now. Yeah. And and it, you're paying for shipping. You're, there's a lack of supply, so the price goes up. And right now, I just bought a bunch of asparagus an hour ago. They're super skinny because they're just they're just coming out of the ground, you know. And they came from nearby, and the price was not high. It was two ninety nine for a pound and a half hmm. because they're in so, season. So there's going to be a flood. They're going to flood the market with asparagus right now. Price is going to drop. So you know, go on the internet, see what things are in season where you live, and try to eat seasonally. That helps a lot with the money, too. So revolving our meals kind of around what's currently cheap, not just not being agnostic when you're making your grocery list and kind of knowing what's going on seasonally, that's that's really important to saving money, right? So I guess we're talking about yes. winter vegetables in winter and like berries in April and May, that kind of thing, when those are kind of like, because you can get strawberries sometimes for like a buck fifty a pound right about now, but in a few months, they're going to be good. way more expensive. 
Yep. And unless they start like hydroponically growing it nearby and then the seasons don't matter as much and the supply is constant and they've figured it out. Uh, But all, all these tips take probably 500 days of you having your eyes peeled, you know, and just monitoring all these prices. Mm-hmm. Are you it's buying true. in bulk when that stuff happens and, and freezing some of it or something? Like, for instance, no, berries. Not. No, none of that kind of stuff? No. I'll, if I'm going to have berries, I'll just buy frozen berries. I'm not going to buy fresh okay. ones and freeze them. They, they pick them at the season. They have, uh, they have blast freezers, which are really great because they are so cold that when you put the berry into the blast freezer, it, it freezes so quickly. As you know, uh, water, when it becomes a solid is one of the few elements that expands so if you freeze something slowly the water inside the berries expand and it breaks apart all the i guess meat if you could call it that when you defrost mm-hmm. it it always it just the texture's gone it doesn't have the snap so that's if you do it in hmm. a home freezer is it a little gotcha. bit better when you buy it from an industrial process yeah absolutely I guess I've never thought about the, yeah, the difference yeah. between the frozen veggies you buy at the store versus what you can freeze yourself. Well, but. they're probably doing that process when berries are at peak season, right? And they're That's just using 100%. a lot of the extra so They're ones. picking them yeah. when there's a ton of supply. They're putting it in their industrial strength blast freezer so that it doesn't you know crystallize and expand and break apart all the fibers inside. And then they're selling them to you. So yeah, if something's out of season like peas, the frozen aisle is definitely the way to go. Like, I'd pick frozen peas over, over canned peas any day. Okay. The biggest thing that stands out to me, Frankie, just watching your show, is that you are incredibly creative when it comes to how it is that you approach your food. And it makes me think that most of us aren't thinking outside the box. I think most folks just may not be getting creative enough and that we're maybe too either specifically meal-focused or we're too gadget-focused uh, when it comes to how folks cook today. What are your thoughts there? Do you do you agree with that that, that statement, I, I guess? I, and, I totally and agree What's your recommendation? It. Yeah, it's... I actually think we're in a nice era right now with the social media because you can visually watch a recipe in 30 seconds. Some of them are getting a a little bit too elaborate because they're clearly chasing views and I'm not learning anything and there's too many ingredients and I can't mimic it. But I just did one yesterday that has like three ingredients. I don't know how I'm going to make it longer than 30 seconds. There's so little happening on it. It's a great great meal. But if you've never been in the kitchen, it's like anything else in life. Like it, the first thing you make is probably not going to be great. You do need to learn. I would I would do the kiss rule. Keep it simple, uh, silly, and um, <laughs> and the gadget. You don't need the gadgets. You don't need. You really don't need much to get started. Is the truth. You just like buy in season. Plan on using everything. Suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. When Matt talks about getting creative, like you used an iron. To make a panini are those the kind, like yeah. you don't need a panini press right like no, we no, no, think no. we need all you these know. things to make a decent meal but really we just need a little ingenuity right we need a little, little ingenuity and obviously if you're making a lot of sandwiches using an iron is a silly thing but when we do stuff <laughs> like that on the show you know we're i think i'm talking to two audiences one is the people that haven't ever been in the kitchen and i want them to see that like you can use items from around the home and and cook and, and the other group are people that cook all the time so the people that cook all the time if they're going to make that recipe they'll use their panini press or they'll heat up two cast iron pans one smaller than the other put the sandwich in the bigger one put the smaller one on top which is now hot because you had it on the stove and you just made a panini press i mean cast iron is a giant heat battery and it'll hold that heat and it'll crisp it up real good absolutely uh but but more than anything i I want people to feel like they can take liberty you know when i think back to my mom and my aunt when i was a kid or whatever every time they would cook out of a cookbook 
they would always be like, oh, I changed this, I changed that, I changed that. Like you didn't even make the recipe the right way once. They're already changing it. And that's the right attitude to have if you've cooked enough, enough meals in your life. Because a recipe is simply a destination. And as you know, I'm sure you've used GPS. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get there. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, there can. It's good to have that inspiration, perhaps, to uh, something to set your sights on. But how I it want is to that inspire you get there, people to might, improvise. Might Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. deviate no, a little. I, I love it. Well, Frankie, we're going to get to uh, several other topics, including how it is that you can affordably incorporate meat into your your meals, as well as meal prep. That's another a hot tactic that folks <laughs> can include. We'll get to those plus more right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. 
All right, we're back. We're still talking with Frankie Salenza, talking about making meals for less money and making good meals, right? Not having to suck it up and eat like crap. Um, and, and the fact that it's it's not necessarily as expensive as as you think. You don't have to be over there slicing up your bologna, uh, <laughs> right. Joel, for your, for your sandwiches. No, I don't eat bologna, man. I don't. I've, I, I don't know if I've ever had bologna, to be honest. But you, which, but you do like hot dogs. We've talked about this on the show before. Well, the Costco hot dogs, sometimes. Yeah, that doesn't make... Oh, yeah. All right. Frankie, what's your have take you on the Costco Mortadella? hot dogs? No, 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 no what's that? That, that, that is that's why we call it bologna if you look at the way bologna is spelt it's spelt bologna the town which is where mortadella comes from in italy and so is mortadella uh, like an improved version mortadella is the original one and just like parmigiano reggiano it has like italian protections of the european union oh. so we weren't allowed to call it that if we manufactured it over here which is why we have parmesan and bologna when it's american made. Uh. Isn't that interesting? It sounds like we need to yeah. go straight to the source and get the real stuff. Right. Well, right. Mortadella is good. But... It's got it's very good. And I don't mind listen, one of my favorite things is a Oscar Meyer bologna sandwich with mayo on white bread and a little bit of lettuce. Right. It's delicious. So every once in and a while. I love a Costco hot dog, by the way. Eat. Oh, see, okay. All right. And even Frankie slums it every once in a while, right? Even though he's making good stuff most of the hot time. Hot dogs are great. It's not slumming. It's a, it's a fun little treat. I, well, I take my little man, and we go to Costco occasionally, and we do we do the hot dog thing together, and it's a nice little like father son date, so we have a good time. Uh, but my 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 girls are not into the hot dog nearly <laughs> nearly as much as as the guys are. I okay. So while we're talking about meat, let's let's keep talking about meat. These are we're talking about the bargain basement cuts here in terms of hot dogs and uh, and bologna. But it, it, meat is you talk about this, and it's just kind of common understanding at this point that meat just costs more than a lot of the other things if you're eating ribeye you're going to bust your budget pretty quickly so like how how should we be thinking about trimming our meat consumption and and being able to maybe still eat meat sometimes but without like breaking the bank yeah you you gotta just eat less meat is the truth of it and you know if you look at history meat was always like the food of the nobility and and all the off cuts off the off cuts sorry like the the offal and the things that were really fatty and tough uh went down to the the working class people those are the cuts that have more flavor which is ironic now but the whole world hmm. is so efficient at making food that now all classes of people seem to be eating meat a lot more than the human body is able to process and i'm not going to get into like diet and all that stuff but i, I mean i think we're all eating way too much of it i will hmm. tell you this I have some guanciale frozen in my freezer. It's fancy Italian bacon. It comes from the cheek. I bought it two months ago. I keep it frozen. I, I literally, I just sliced a couple thin slices, probably one ounce of it, put it in a pan over medium heat. It shriveled up, rendered out fat, and then I sauteed a bunch of spring onions, which are in season right now, in that fat. And uh, I just put spaghetti in there and like, that was delicious. And I'm eating meat, but I'm using it as a flavoring and Mm -hmm. as the fat for the dish rather than using olive oil. And then the center point is perfectly al dente spaghetti, which I I think is texturally pleasing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's my, my wife calls using meat as a garnish, just like you said, like the ability to to kind of pull some of that flavor out of there. You know, instead of getting four chicken breasts that have been deboned and de-skinned, that's always going to cost more money because just on a fundamental level, like there was a lot of process there that you're paying for someone else to do. So if you eat chicken, I think it's pretty fundamental that you buy a whole chicken and and learn to break it down. It's really not Mm. that hard. And by the way, you get a carcass at the end, which means you can make your own stock, which is superior to everything else. Heck yeah. Okay. So 
two questions. Do you boil your carcass? Do you boil your bones in an Instapot? I don't. I have one. You don't. I've I've not used it. I just but you don't, don't use it. So purpose. that goes I back have a to the. Stop. Gotcha. Goes back to how unnecessary certain tools are. All right. So I was curious about that. But then secondly, so for folks who are, uh, say, who are maybe they're working out more, they're looking to get more protein in their diet. I noticed in a couple of your recipes that you incorporate some peanut butter, like into sauces or to kind of thicken things up. And it seems like that's an awesome way to include like 10, 20 grams of additional protein in, in, in something. What are some of the other way, or first of all, I guess, how often do you do that? Because I thought that was interesting from a, maybe from a flavor standpoint, but then what are some I mean, other sources I, of affordable protein other than meat? I love, and we can get back to meat because I didn't want to just brush it off. I know people like to eat it. It is the most fun thing to cook. It's obviously a wonderful centerpiece, even an affordable meal. So we can get back to that. But um, I, I love peanut butter. I mean, I, I put it, I put a scoop of peanut butter with oatmeal. I put a scoop of peanut butter with, uh, with cereal, I like a banana peanut butter smoothie. I'll do it all the time. Um, mm. But I cooked for, I did three tennis tournaments with the world number one tennis player who's a famous vegan. Um, and we did a lot of beans for protein and uh, nuts, but nuts, yeah, there's some crazy stuff that he was having me do. For example, like cashews. <laughs> Let's just say a cashew has 10 calories, okay? If you and I eat the cashew, we're going to spend five, six calories just trying to break it down because it's so hard to digest. But what I was doing was soaking the cashews in water overnight and then putting them in a super low oven just to dehydrate that water out but not create a Maillard reaction. And now you look at the cashew. It's got no color on it. It looks the same as the other cashew, but when you bite into it, it's much softer. So I've started the digestion process outside the body, and now it only takes, let's say, <laughs> two calories to consume the 10. So you get a net gain of eight versus if you just eat it raw, maybe you know 50% of the energy that you're getting is being used to digest the thing. So that's you're like a mama bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. Right. The mom bird chews it and then regurgitates yeah. it into it. It's, <laughs> yes. it's baby chick's mouth. That's correct. Um, lentils are a great source of protein. And uh, as far as like energy goes, which is super interesting, fat, the good fats are really, really great. Every gram of fat has twice as many calories as that of protein or carbohydrate. So you can eat half as much of it by weight and still be able to store energy because it isn't just about repairing muscle. It's also preparing for the next time you're going to, I mean, we all use our muscles every day and we use the energy that we eat to, to move, right? I think coconut milk is a great, great thing to use occasionally. I love olive oil. What else can we talk about? Cannellini beans mm. are wonderful. All right. Well, okay. Let's say somebody says, you know what? I appreciate, Frankie, all your advice on other ways to include protein in my diet. Maybe I'll do the cashew trick. But I also want uh, I also want meat as kind of the main thing. I like, yeah, I don't know, three or four dinners a week. And so is it, I guess is it all about it's all about the cuts, right? Is it the cuts that make the difference and how you talked about the cheaper cuts oftentimes can be the most flavorful. But I guess uh, some people are just so used to buying boneless, skinless chicken breast or whatever that they forget to get the chicken thighs that are like a third of the price, but way tastier. Well, listen, this is a money podcast, so every, as you know, everybody's trying to make a buck. And the way 
it happens in food is through convenience, right? At the highest level, you can go out to eat, they'll take care of the dishes for you, they'll cook all the food for you, great, that's the most expensive. Then you got the fast casual, they do less things for you, it's a little bit less money. Then you wanna, you know, you got prepared foods at the supermarket, that's even less expensive because you've gotta reheat it or do some processes to to get it ready uh, to be consumed. And then you go one level below that and we're, we're to the boneless, skinless chicken breast and the preformed hamburger patties and the <laughs> chicken wings that they have already marinating in various things for you. I mean, you it's cheaper compared to the restaurant and the fast casual, but you're still paying for convenience. So you can go a level lower than that. And really what you want to do is like, if you just think of the animal as a whole, that's the cheapest way to get it because no one has cut anything off of it yet. So mm -hmm. we did an episode many seasons ago where we took a giant pork loin and we got like 20 meals out of it and you had the leaner end and the fattier end of it and we were cutting the chops at different thicknesses depending on how much protein it had or protein and fat it had and i was giving you four different ways to cook all those things and you know that's really the way to do it i'm going on a little yeah. bit of a tangent here but no that's that's if you important. Want to I mean, what you're money, about. You need to put more effort. It's not. It's not magic. Yeah. There's no. It's not through buying a tool. It's not through buying a one. You know, an onion cutter thing where it's got that grid <laughs> and you put the onion and slams it through. It's not through <laughs> a, a, a crock pot or or any of those things or an air fryer. It's through you physically yeah. doing more labor because that because then you're not giving money to someone else who has been doing it for you before. Which brings us back to convenience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, essentially what you're talking about, and you mentioned that that pork loin, uh, I, I watched that video, you, you, you got multiple meals out of it. And what you're essentially doing there is you're prepping meals for the week ahead. Why? I mean, what are some of the other advantages that come with thinking ahead and the ability to basically prep your meals in advance? If you can, if you can prep in advance and you can stick to that schedule, even if you don't feel like eating that thing, then you will reduce the waste. And that's the 30% of the money you're spending on food, not going down the toilet. So that's really, mm. really fantastic. But listen, it happens to me too. Um, you know, I'll cook a bunch of things and then I either get sidetracked because life happens. I totally understand it. And then all of a sudden there's nothing to eat. And when the blood sugar starts falling, uh, that that's when you either make you know, a fast food decision or you're just like, oh, let's just go out to dinner. And then, you know, it's a hundred dollars. And it's so when you're meal prepping, you're, you're planning. And when you're planning, you're also financially planning, I would say, and you got to stick to the schedule and you got to be, uh, uh, obedient, not obedient, discipline, <laughs> <laughs> obedient to your, obedient is a little previous, aggressive. to your previous self, <laughs> to your own rules. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> no, I think that's so true. I mean, I think when you have a budget, you have a plan for your money. And so it makes it way more likely that you're actually going to follow through. And the same is true when you have a meal plan, like, you know, my wife and I, we sit down on the weekend and I will say she, she takes the main role in kind of uh, meals, which is awesome and i'm kind of more the cleanup guy uh but it's it's that plan that we make ahead of time and then it which is so helpful in ensuring that we're actually going to follow through and not just randomly go out to eat but i i guess uh, so planning is important but talk to us about actually cr making the meals ahead of time because you're doing that too right so you're like creating a bunch of stuff and sticking it in the freezer or fridge so that you've got meals to eat for days or potentially even like weeks or something that you can pull out a month from now like how how important is that you know, there is no one size fits all. And so we, we've done that on the show. We have an episode this season for that. We had an episode last season for that. And I know we've touched on it before, 
But again, I'm just trying to get people to think about many, many things. And, and we did smart things like, you know, it could be really easy. Let's say you prep food for uh, work, you know, and then you forget to bring it. That That's no good. So we were like, you yeah. got to put your car keys or your Metro card or whatever. You got to put that in the fridge with the food that you prepped <laughs> so that when you're looking for it, you don't forget the food. That was, that was uh, one thing. I would say if you have the time to do it, absolutely. But there, there's so many ways to prep food. And, you know, we think of making a whole meal on Sunday night and freezing it. And that's really great. But you could also, if a recipe calls for half an onion or something, you could chop up the whole onion and then put it in a little deli container. And now you've got an onion. You know, you've done some prep for a future meal. Hmm. And you've cut down on a knife that needs to be cleaned and a cutting board that needs to be wiped. And... uh eyes that need to be uh, blotted from crying every <laughs> single time I cut an onion. But food prep comes in many forms. And back to the like, you know, you buy that big piece of meat, that giant piece of meat, and you cut thinner ones on the lean side and pound them out. You can freeze those. You could even flour them, egg them, par cook them and freeze them and then, you know, reheat them if you wanted to. You could go lots of ways. Uh, but if you were going to have a meal that had some I don't know, some pork in it or something, you, you, you know, think a step ahead. You could go buy just the pork for that meal or you could buy more of it and now you're doing prep once for potentially three meals. It's only going to take 20% longer, but when you divide that by the three meals you're going to get, it's actually a lot more efficient. So I saw my mom doing a task uh, on Easter and she was doing one thing and then switching to the other thing and then doing one thing and switching to the other thing. And I was like, mom, it's a lot faster if you just do all of job one first and then switch to job two because you, you know, you, you're eliminating steps. You're picking up the knife, putting down the knife, picking up the knife. No, pick up the knife, hold the knife, chop, 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 put down the knife for good and now move on to the next step. I know I'm speaking very esoteric and broadly, but I think people understand what, what I'm getting at here. You know, be a machine yeah. when you're prepping and just do that repetitive, boring task. You'll get faster and faster at it as the repetition is in there. And uh, and then even think a meal ahead. It seems like it's a kind of a holistic approach to how it is that you're thinking about all of the meals that you're going to be consuming that week or even for the next couple of weeks rather than focusing on one bite at a time or and, one and meal at prep, a time. You can prep for the next meal even if you don't know what it is yet, especially if you've got... 10 dishes that you know cold under your belt, you know, you could say, I don't know what I'm going to use this for yet, but then you got to hold yourself to actually using it because then we mm -hmm. get back into the food waste thing. Okay. So I guess for folks out there who say, maybe there's some folks listening and they're like, man, I've barely got two dishes that I know <laughs> how to go to without looking up a recipe. Why'd you look at me when you said that, Matt? <laughs> so Just you happen to sit across from me. Yeah. What are maybe some easy meals that someone could prep for lunches? Say they go to work and they're trying to avoid busting their budget by going out to lunch. What are some meals that are really easy to cook ahead of time where they've got something tasty that we know where there's some variety where it's not just PB&J PB and, <laughs> and white bread with mayonnaise choice. and bologna. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, are there some meals that I, lend themselves to that meal prep uh, on Sundays? Yeah, I think bowls are great to, to think about, uh, to take to work with you. And, you know, it's easy to say I'm not inspired. I don't know exactly what to do, but you're, you should be inspired every day by every meal that you eat out. If, if you go to, uh, you know, a place and buy a quinoa bowl or whatever, you're, you should like you should be constantly thinking how did they make this what are these flavors look at that mm -hmm. oh I can do this so I'm just looking yeah. right now I've got a dish on uh, episode 3 season 8 
spring green quinoa. It sounds great. Quinoa is great, warm or cold, so it's going to travel really well. It's going to have that interesting texture regardless. It's not going to expire like pasta does. Pasta does not travel well. And spring greens can mean anything. It could be, you know, spring green pesto. It could be um, sautéed greens. It could be some some yummy cruciferous spring vegetables. I would do sauce on the side, or if you don't have, you know, if you don't want to have two containers, you could, um, for example, put sauce in like the bottom of the container and then everything else on top of it and just make sure you keep gravity that way. And then when you're ready to eat it, flip it over. And now you've just like dressed it. I like Uh, that. Yeah. But you want to think about foods that can travel well. I don't think fried food travels well. I think in general, fried food is probably not so much fun to cook at home because the aroma of the oil really, yeah, it's intense (laughs) and it's life ruining if you spill that stuff anywhere yeah or if you got kids running around i mean 350 degrees it's terrible talk talk about canned foods for a second because i I, when i was growing up that was we just ate canned green beans all the time and i remember thinking green beans are the worst food on the face of the planet and then uh, i I still remember a standoff i had with my parents over eating like one green bean (laughs) and i made their lives miserable (laughs) over this thing but then i remember having fresh green beans for the first time in my life and i was like I I think I like green beans. Wait a second. Like these are completely different animals, but you kind of just talked smack about uh, canned peas just a little bit ago. <laughs> versus frozen. Versus frozen. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But then you also, I've seen you make like uh, canned salmon and use that in like a pretty interesting way in your show. <laughs> so how do we think about canned foods, man? I love canned beans because it's, you know, a really fast way to, be, beans can be a really great filler in a lot of dishes. Like we were just talking about taking quinoa to lunch. I mean, putting some mm-hmm. chickpeas in there from a can, rinsed with a little bit of paprika, olive oil, and salt. That's a delicious lunch, you know? And we didn't really have to cook anything except the quinoa, which cooks quickly. But I am um, really getting into the science of a lot of greens. And what I've found is that when you cook some greens with acid, they turn kind of brown. If you blanch the greens, ice them, and then put acid after, they hold the beautiful green color. So the canned peas, the canned green beans, they probably have a little bit of acid in there to make them shelf stable. And they probably bring the temperature of the entire can up to pasteurize it so that it can be shelf stable. And you know, the first thing you notice is you open it up, the color is not amazing. But the frozen the frozen greens, they are. Why? Because they're raw. It didn't have acid and heat applied, which ruined the color, not to mention the texture. Yeah, peas and green beans in a can, not texturally. Ple- I just don't even know what the point is at that point. I got to be honest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd rather do them frozen. Um, and for I know sure. my show is Struggle Meals, but like there's other ways to. <sighs> there's not a lot of nutritional value in there or textural pleasure in, in anything that is a vegetable in a, in a can. Beans are okay, though. And tinned fish is fantastic. Okay. Well, I was going to talk about how much I like canned spinach because I watched Popeye as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but but talk about uh, some of the different, I guess I'm, I'm more interested in uh, in the protein, I guess. So you're talking about canned fish. Like what is it that makes canned fish uh, healthy, uh, but also tasty? I think because it's, you know, a vegetable is delicate. A, a piece of muscle is much more resilient to get okay. slapped around. So when you do that same process to uh, you know fish in a in a can it's it's still good 
I love tuna in oil in a can. I think it's great. All right. Hey, Frankie, we, uh, we got a couple more questions we want to talk through with you here, okay? We want to, and specifically, I'm curious to know about your drawer full of packets that you have <laughs> and kind of how you uh, infuse those into your recipes. We got just a couple more questions to get to with you right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. We are back from the break talking with Frankie Salenza. And Frankie, you know, Joel just mentioned your seasoning drawer. <laughs> but yep. it looks like you... His fr- completely free pro bono yeah, seasoning drawer. It looks like you, you, you take the what's in the bottom of like fast food bags and you take them home and you dump them out and then you organize them, put them in your drawer. Uh, you got ketchup, mustard, honey in there. Uh, do you just... Is that what you do? Do you just grab a couple extra, you know, when you're at a restaurant? How, how, how do you have that on hand and how often and do you use the the mini mini packets drawer? I mean, on the show, obviously, it's a little bit of a gag because it's so organized and there's such yeah. <laughs> uh, endless quantity in there. 
But, but you know, it, it does have an overarching theme, which makes a lot of sense, which is like if you buy things in bulk or if you happen to have access to a cafeteria or if you ever get takeout and they give you those things and you don't want it on that meal, you should save it because it could be free flavor in the future. Right now, I've got a lot of duck sauce. I, I don't know. I had Chinese takeout and they gave me like six of them. I don't know who they're giving six of them to. Is duck sauce <laughs> super useful in the dishes I want to make? If I think of it as a duck sauce, then the answer is no. It's going to be super specific. But if I think of it of what it really is, liquid sugar, all of a sudden the possibilities yeah. for those packets open up and I'm saving it and I'm going to use it for something. Nice. I like it. Yeah. No, I like the resourcefulness of that. I think you might cross over into cheap territory if you're going to your local fast food restaurant in order to raid <laughs> their stash of packets. But yeah, if you're just using the extra ones that you get and stuff like that, I think that I think that's wise. I think it's just I, I don't using your smarts, right? Stealing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Joel goes to Chick Fil A. He's like, "Can I get 15 Chick Fil A sauces?" Right. Please? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And they're like, "Are you going to order something with that?" I'm like, ah, "I wasn't thinking about it." But I, I know in in season eight of Struggle Meals, uh, you're going to talk about no cook meals and especially like we're getting closer to summer the temps are warming up one of the best reasons in my estimation to be able to make a meal where you're not cooking and turning on the oven is just because you're making your ac unit work that much harder you're you're just like heating up your home while the exterior temp is like 90 degrees or something like that it seems like a waste so working over your yeah you're sweating you're standing there sweating over the open flame mm -hmm. yeah like nobody wants that nobody wants that so yeah either well, and then there's, there's subsequent the uh dilemmas as well like you know if you have air conditioning and you're doing a bunch of things that are generating a ton of heat in the kitchen you're now spending money to counteract that with the exactly. with air conditioning yeah. so it's either hop outside and grill right with which i think yeah. is just wonderful right so you want to talk to, tell me a little bit about do you go outside and grill how what's your what's your take on grilling and then also talk to me a little bit about the the no cook meals that people can institute during these summer months i think grilling is great i just moved out of the city i've spent 28 of my 36 years in New York City and various boroughs, and I've just left. I don't actually have a grill yet, um, mm. but I love its simplicity. I've always enjoyed it because basically you take in-season vegetables and meats, you season them very sparsely, and you cook them, and it's beautiful, and it is the exact same concept of why I love Italian food. It's just simple. It's just simple. Mm. When it's too hot to cook, there's a million things you can eat. And I feel like our bodies are naturally telling us what we should intuitively be eating. Uh, one of my favorite things is a gazpacho soup in Spanish cuisine. And it's basically red bell peppers, a little bit of tomato, and they just like blend it up with olive oil and salt, and it's fantastic. And so we have this episode, Too Hot to Cook. We didn't do a gazpacho, but we did a chilled cucumber avocado soup, and that's great. It, you start wondering what is cooking. And so if, if you think cooking literally means adding heat, I don't think that's a broad enough view of what it means because hmm. sometimes it can just be putting things together in a nice ratio, you know, or, or <laughs> turning things into something that's drinkable or, yeah. you know, when you make a salad, is that cooking? You combine an oil and an acid together with an emulsifier and put it over some in-season greens and maybe some herbs if you're growing them, which by the way, I think people should be growing herbs. Free flavor, you pick it, it grows back. Unbelievable. It's alive, photosynthesis. Yeah. Oh, so we, uh, yeah. should we all have our own little garden going on? I just found wild chives growing. I've been picking them. I've been using them all week. It's crazy. And and here in the Northeast, it's just about ramp season. My wife just went on a walk. She goes, the ramps are out. 
She was out on oh, a walk nice. with our neighbor and, and she was about to pick them. And the neighbor said, I am not letting you eat anything from the woods. <laughs> so I guess what? I can go back out and pick them. But the ramps isn't that what made like a wild spring onion? Yeah, very nice. Isn't that what made Noma famous? Aren't they? Aren't they he's like literally oh, yeah, like a three-star Michelin sure. restaurant from foraging. Yeah, just find something random right on the beach. Isn't that ironic? One of the most expensive meals you can have, and they're getting <laughs> right. their stuff for free by sending a bunch of interns in the woods to pick them. Yeah, <laughs> right. It is and frankly, like we've all learned, it is not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> that is no, not a sustainable no. model. Uh, okay, I guess I've got one last question for you, Frankie. And, and this might be like asking someone to pick their favorite kid. But do you have an absolute favorite just go-to struggle meal? Something that is affordable, that kind of fits within the parameters of what you're trying to steer folks towards in order to save money, but that's also just top-notch when it comes to flavor and incredibly delicious? Yeah, it's spaghetti, garlic, and oil, sometimes broccoli, sometimes red pepper. You can pull the whole thing Mm. together in 15 minutes. Uh, We had a version of it yesterday for lunch. I had some broccoli rabe. I chopped it up real fine. I put the spaghetti in my salted water. And uh, when it was about mm, 70% done, I threw all the chopped broccoli into the water with the spaghetti. Dumped the whole thing through a sieve. Didn't even have a second pan going. Saved a little bit of the pasta water. Put it all back into the pan with a little bit of the pasta water. And I put uh, some chili oil on it that I made. You know, and that's a variation of sauteing garlic and oil with a little bit of red pepper flakes and throwing spaghetti in it, which is great. You can use frozen broccoli. By the way, broccoli has more protein gram for gram than steak. We were wow. talking about protein Did not know things that. before. I, yes, it does. I had no idea. It's nuts. So there's a ton. There's a ton of protein in cruciferous vegetables. Uh, okay. Yeah. I love spaghetti because it seems so simple. It can be salty. It can be spicy. It's texturally pleasing when you cook that pasta al dente and the salt in the water is at 2% salinity and you twist it around your fork and you bite through it and you get all these moments of textural variance as your teeth bite through the perfectly twirled spaghetti, click, 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 right through. And then you've, you've got this oily vegetable that you put in there. Yeah, it's, it's very good. It is salty, I feel like I know what I'm eating spicy. tonight now. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Bro- broccoli, by the way, I, I feel like we've just been doing this lately, roasting it in the oven. Broccoli is so much better roasted in the oven. It brings out so many more flavors in it than it does like cooking on the stovetop. I mean, you're getting the Maillard reaction, so you're even getting some burnt charred stuff. But you can pretty much take any vegetables and, and throw it in an oven at 400 degrees for 20 minutes with oil and salt, and it's going to be amazing. You know, yeah. if it's a if it's a harder vegetable, you want to cut it into smaller pieces so the distance the center is less. So it, you know, it's not raw in the center. Um, and if it's something really soft, you can leave it pretty big. Yeah, it, broccoli in the oven, and it's so easy, right? You just throw it on a sheet tray. So easy, yeah, yeah, so easy, dude. Frankie, we so appreciate you coming on the show, man. Where can our listeners find out more about struggle meals and season eight coming up? And I know season eight's going to be great, but you can go back and watch all the old stuff too that like Matt and I have been doing over the past couple of weeks, learning a lot uh, in the process, but where can folks find out more about you and what you're up to? I, well, you can follow me at Frankie cooks, Frankie, I E cooks, not Frankie Y. And uh, you should definitely go to cha- tastemade.com because they tell you all the places where you can watch the show. And there are so many that I would say there's a 70% chance that if you're listening to this show, you already have access to watch the show uh, in mm-hmm. some form, which is remarkable. Uh, we've, the distribution has gotten really pretty great. And um, we've done like 400 recipes now. We just filmed the 100th episode. So the wow, show's doing great. Is, congrats. It's an, yeah, thank you. It's an endlessly... Uh, there's so many possibilities for affordable food and it, it it really only needs to be crappy if you want it to be that way. 
You can do you can do a lot with very little, and and it goes for everything yeah. in life, as we've said. Yeah, it just takes a little bit of effort, and you are providing that inspiration. We'll be sure to link to all the different places where folks can find that content. Frankie, thank you so much for talking with us today. You're very welcome. And if you get into cooking, everybody, it will bring you self satisfaction, which is uh, will bring you joy. I promise. All right, man. What a fun conversation talking about food here with Frankie. How many times during this conversation were you just visualizing exactly what it was that oh, he was yeah. describing? <laughs> starts making your mouth water that a little bit. That last little bit about spaghetti. The I spaghetti, like, yes. I can almost taste it right now, Frankie. As him describing your teeth going through each consecutive noodle, I was yeah. like, it was like a zoom in, zoomed in <laughs> shot of like my own mouth and yeah. I can see my teeth like, like <laughs> chomping down on those noodles. I loved it. But do, do you have a, a specific big takeaway from this episode? Okay. So there's yeah a lot of good stuff and just a lot of informative stuff. If you want to make good food at home for less, mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things that stuck out to me, and I think you spot on, is that it takes practice, right? And it takes effort. And so I think we in kind of modern society, we expect everything to be easy. It's actually pretty easy to get what you need at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. But it's, we live in a world of convenience. Yeah, we live in a world of convenience. And so we've gotten used to everything coming to us easily. And when it comes to like developing a skill, and that is kind of what you're doing as a an at-home chef, you have to develop a skill. One for when it comes to like, let's say you're going to buy a whole chicken and butcher it, right? That's a skill. But then when it comes to like cooking it properly and making it taste the best that it can in a variety of different ways. That's another skill. And so it, you don't just acquire those things willy, willy-nilly. They don't come ha- to you yeah. through osmosis. Nor does it happen overnight. Like yeah. he said, I think he said like specifically, he mentioned 500 days of being aware of the meals around you and yeah. what prices are. Like basically he's taking you completely through an entire year into the next year again, you know, where you're repeating ingredients. Like you're repeating a season and you're starting mm-hmm. to then at that point finally understand, oh, this should be in season. Oh, this is how I can use this. It's a it's a process. So for basically, sure. if you start listening to Frankie and making some changes, late twenty twenty four, you're going to be good at this. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but th- I think that's that's cool to know that, that it can be done. You're going to learn a lot along the way. I think you're going to have a lot of fun. You you might ruin something, like but don't let that failure kind of set you back and push you back towards kind of the the takeout mentality. I like it. Yeah. So my big takeaway is going to be I'm going to try to figure out something like very specific for folks, uh, which is I liked what he was talking about when it came to preparing for a meal. So that kind of sounds daunting, right? Because you're thinking, well, how, you know, it's hard enough preparing for one meal. How am I supposed to think through like five different meals? But what he was saying was that even just chopping up the whole onion as opposed to half of the onion is considered meal prep. And I think where creativity can start to blossom is when we think about breaking down a protein and then pre-preparing or pre-packaging, say a chicken breast or a chicken thigh or just a cut of meat. Because if you say you only need a quarter of a cut of meat or only half of it. If you put the rest of it in the freezer and you've got that set aside and you know that, okay, shoot, I got to cook dinner tonight. What can I, what can I make at home? You maybe you can boil some pasta. You got some veggies. Oh, look in the freezer. I happen to have this protein and starting to take these different pieces and finding ways, creative ways to put them together. Well, in my mind, that's the beginning of creativity is finding ways to place these pieces and have them interact in a way that is appetizing and delicious and hopefully nutritious as well. You might well. have to be like organized too, right? I'm sure yeah. you have to get get some organizational skills in order to make sure that you're you're storing things properly. We didn't really talk about that with him, but that has to be part of the equation, mm-hmm. right? So that but you it can also doesn't have easily to easily find what you need when you need it. Sure. I don't think it needs to be so overwhelming to where someone is who might be listening thinks that 
they have to come up with an entirely new system. Right. But just simply putting something in a Ziploc bag and writing on it with a Sharpie, mm-hmm. labeling it, yep. that way you know exactly what is in there, how many ounces of protein or of meat that is, or maybe it's a bag of herbs or something like that. But as long as it's labeled, I think that just having that knowledge is a way to create sort of a an index of what it is that you have in your kitchen yeah. uh, that you know that you can tap for, for, for meals. I like so, it. Yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of good stuff in here. And yeah, Frankie, I love his approach in Struggle yeah. Meals. It's such, yeah. like, it's such an interesting <laughs> show that, that deviates from so many of the other cooking shows you might be used to watching. It's a lot of fun. He, he's a lot of fun. He's yeah. changed the game in yeah. cooking shows, which I, in, in a good way. So, uh, all right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. One of my favorite things to pick up at the grocery store uh, <laughs> is a six pack of delicious craft beer. Is it because it's delicious or is it because it's uh, pre-prepared and all you got to do is pop that top? That, and... that might be part of it. <laughs> it's a little bit of both. They make it so easy for you. Yeah. Well, it's even nicer when a listener sends one our way. This one came from listener Katie. So thank you, Katie. She sent a few of her favorite Wyoming beers. And this one's called Fluffy Cow Hazy IPA. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was quite tasty. I'll, I'll mention when we when I first poured this thing, I was surprised to see how dark it was. I feel like most of the hazies that that we're drinking, they tend to be lighter. Like, aren't they? Like, they in my mind, they they, they often look more like orange juice. Yeah, uh, or, like or a, even lemonade. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're they're pretty light. And so this was kind of a it was a, like a darker amber hazy, but it was quite tasty, man. Definitely had that hot punch going on. But at the same time, it wasn't too vegetal, right? Sometimes yeah. those, like, it, it literally feels like you're eating vegetables well, <laughs> when you're drinking an IPA. But this one was more balanced. It was, uh, you know, hop forward, but certainly still had some of that malt backbone. I think this one, if I read the label correctly, it had hints of vanilla or something infused into it, which I thought oh, made, interesting. made the mouth feel a little bit softer. So it was this, like, combo of, like tropical notes but like almost made a little more smoother in your mouth because of the presence of vanilla so it's an interesting combo i wonder if that means so is it is it trader what's the the hop that has more like tropical vanilla like is it trader vix i think it's vix secret or something or or vix secret maybe that's wait what's trader vix am i thinking of trader uh trader vix is a a lovely cocktail bar i believe that is what i'm thinking of it is not that it is what you said Uh, is it vix secret vix secret maybe i don't know or or are you thinking about victoria's secret maybe i am now (laughs) It's like it's some combination of all the words that we just said. I don't know. Uh, but Katie, we are incredibly thankful for you. We appreciate you donating this Gruner Brothers Brewing beer to the show. No doubt. But that's going to do it for this episode. For links to everything that Frankie is working on, including his socials, you can find those up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. Yeah, we'll make sure to link to some of the specific episodes that he mentioned. But that's going to be it for this one, buddy. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.